0: It's the 12 days of Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, and Wall Street did not fail to deliver. We actually received our first present of this holiday season, a sensational inflation report that came out from the federal government this morning that showed that prices have increased 7 spot 1% year over year, much less than expected than what Wall Street economists were predicting. So here we are. We actually figured we would have a big up day in the markets. We did have an up day, but clearly the error came out of the balloon by the, uh, by the late afternoon. Welcome, everyone, to BH. Just live. I'm Todd Schoenberger, and I'd like to welcome my friend and co-host and birthday boy, Tobin Smith. Toby, you're in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Things are spicy, everything's great. <laughs> and we were talking about this right when the inflation data came out this morning. And we saw Dow Futures up a thousand. The Dow was actually up as high as eight forty. Came out of the balloon, like I said before. I mean, what do you think? I mean, is this a present or is this what maybe a uh, knee-jerk reaction? Well,
1: first off, Todd, as your friend, I'd like to recommend you have a little less coffee. Uh, during the day because clearly you're you're a little jacked up. I'm all ramped up. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I mean, my job here is just to calm you the F down. I, uh, it was interesting. So we had, we had bet because, you know, we run an index that has all the freaking components that goes into the CPI and the PCE. This was the CPI, which is a different formulation. What matters is core consumer price inflation, not all the other stuff. So when you, when you took out energy and you took out food, we had it at about, Six point one percent, which is what it turned out to be. J.P. Morgan had the same thing. There was three things that were bizarre to me. Number one, yesterday at about two thirty in the you know East Coast time, stocks took up, and that J.P. Morgan report came out, and they put like a five percent odds that you'd get a six point one deal. But if we do, then you're going to get a big. Did somebody know this stuff before
0: time? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that a little bit because was there a leak? Because now the government's saying absolutely not, but it is a bit bizarre because you would fact that even the FOMC might have been able to get a little bit of a hint of what was going on, because after all, they're having their, their December meeting.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a conspiracy guy, okay? But I have <laughs> friends who are. And uh, it, it was funny in our in our trading room, our Discord all-access trading room, my favorite conspiracy theorist, you know, plugs in, hey, all of a sudden, you know, Mark was in the dumps, now it freaking turns around completely with no news? Hmm. You think somebody knows right. something? So <laughs> I, uh, I t- you know, and then I pinged a couple of people at trading desk etc and i said yeah i don't know what the f is going on here but somebody knows something so but <laughs> well, not
0: to I'm, sound like jack welsh you know i won't say the chicago boys i guess i could say is it the scranton uh pennsylvania boys or the rehoboth beach delaware boys but whatever yeah, enough of that <laughs> yeah I,
1: it's uh you know it's the jane street capital guys downtown so i uh so we went very long the uh, tqq which is a which is an ETF that uh, does triple the movement of the NASDAQ uh, as an ETF. But when you buy the options on it, $10,000 of options was rolling around like 29000 excuse me, $35,000, and $290,000 was rolling around pretty high there. So if the audience learns nothing else, if you are fortunate enough to get it right uh, for a big pre market open, what you do is you sell the spike every time. I don't care yeah. what it is. Don't think you're Smarter than sell the spike because for the first five minutes, the trading's all over the place, and all these longs have to get met with cells, and it, it, it keeps it artificially high. If you didn't sell the spike, oh, by the way, we were long natural gas too with another one that we love called ticker symbols boil that's three it. times the natural gas price. Because I'm so incredibly brilliant, Todd. As I would yes, read sure the, are. the weather reports, on Sunday that oh my <laughs> lord we have you know like snow I know 10 feet of snow's not big for you in Buffalo but you know for normal people that's a lot of freaking snow that and is one, a lot of snow Tornadoes. so the same thing that that bad boy's up like 250 percent in the morning yeah no
0: so you sell them and, yeah uh,
1: and Tobin,
0: well, you, you, you and I yeah and you and I talked about it right when the number came out at 8 30 Eastern time we talked within minutes and we saw the futures just shoot higher I mean to the moon with the expectations expectation expectation. And okay. now we know that the Fed is likely going to hike by 50 basis points tomorrow and then maybe a 25 basis point increase at the February meeting. And then that will be it. And then we'll be done with it. That's the expectation. But I mean, you and I and you even said to me, hey, look, I'm going to be selling the the TQQQ right at the open. I'm going to lock in because it's pure emotion. Everybody's going to run up. Everybody knows what's going to happen. But it didn't hold, though, the rest of the day, which your trade was brilliant. But for everybody else, all the suckers that got, in in the early morning and then trying to get out. Boy, I mean, everybody was headed for the uh, hill. You
1: mean you mean the suckers, excluding our audience, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course okay. <laughs> um, well, so here's the second like rule of bear market investing: you fade the melt up um, because uh, the the algorithms and the in the robots and everything else is are set by certain rules. And if the inflation number came at X, buy, 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 right? But when you make, you know, somebody made hundred fifty million dollars in like three minutes um, yeah you sell that stuff and you sell it big um, yes why because those are artificial buyers and those are meaning that they are the marginal buyer and seller marginal means you price insensitive you're price insensitive when the you know the qQqs that you bought for 10 million dollars are now all of a sudden you know 13 million dollars or for as a trader and a trader does and since you get paid by you know as we like to say you kill to eat you get paid Based on the profit your desk does, you're not sitting there going, oh gosh, I wonder if it could go another 3% higher, or geez, maybe I'm going to hold this through the end of the year because it's a Santa Claus rally. You take your profits, right? So you can right. Pay for your. First divorce wife, your second divorce wife, <laughs> the, the kids in private school that you, yeah. because your cost of living in New York is you know the average rent's fifty two hundred bucks a month, right? Oh, so crazy. this is sort of automatic behavior, then followed by human behavior, uh, yeah. and that's that's why it faded because there were, just weren't natural buyers in there um, to they would say, yeah, I really want to buy a freaking eight hundred point spike on the Dow. No, I want to sell the Dow. And by the way, those trading desks who run you know two or three. Trillion dollars, they got more money than we do. So when they say, Hey, I'm you know, I'm taking the profits and running right, that you have to understand, or just the other way, trying to say it, Todd, is people get so excited and they forget about the fact that 92% of every every trade every day and on, on. you know, and all the indexes are automatic. They're computer based. This the little you know people hitting the button, boom, boom, boom. But your, your trades are getting put together on a, with a market maker in the middle of all this stuff, and it's all run by algorithm, etc. So to, you don't buy the spike in a bear market. You sell the spike, and and conversely, when the Fed is actually cutting rates and the environment is is conducive to you know earnings per share. Increase or multiples. Remember, you know, we had this 17% a year thing since 2011. Markets don't go up 17% a year. They never have, but they went up because when the Fed was cutting rates and made it to zero, people were willing to increase the 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 leverage or the or the uh, earnings per share that they're willing, willing yeah. to pay the multiple. Well, we're in the reverse thing now. Now the rates are going up. People are not wanting to pay high, or, you know, earnings per share multiples because, dude, you can buy uh, two days ago. You could buy on Friday. You could buy a 10-year bond and get a 4.1% yield and take no risk, right? So this is the
0: yin and yang, man. This is the
1: yin and yang of being in a bear market.
0: Well, you were right about that. You said it is the yin and yang. And and absolutely, you definitely don't want to get emotional when it comes to trading stocks. It clouds the judgment. I think some um, some actors said that in an 80s movie one day, but one time, (laughs) but- <laughs> but but listen re- seriously though. Here we have the Fed meeting. I suspect that Jay Powell is going to go into that presser after the release of their announcement of of increasing rates fifty basis points. I think it's baked in, the, baked in the cake. Yeah, everybody knows. So he's going to come out though, and he's going to s- continue to speak negatively. He has to be the pessimist in the room, and the reason why is because if he's not, and he does come off as positive, and he does give a hint that okay, twenty five fifths in February, and one, then we're Done, ladies and gentlemen. You know what the stock market's going to do if that's the case. The stock market will go to Mars. I mean, you can suspect we would have incredible appreciation. Equity valuations will hit will hit higher highs. And if that's the case, then you're going to have that irrational exuberance that Alan Greenspan used to like to talk about. How people will feel just that wealth effect. They'll feel much wealthier, and right. therefore, then you're going to have more demand. And guess what? It's going to happen. More inflation. more inflation. Exactly. Yeah. So he is going to have to be negative, and I think. It, I think our listeners should prepare themselves for some heavy—I uh, wouldn't say heavy selling, but definitely heavy pressure on equities tomorrow afternoon after the release at two fifteen Eastern time.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, again, Todd, if, for a listener at home, they're not day trading. They're, they're not probably, right? You know, their horizon. I don't know if you're thirty-five years old. I remember that thirty years ago. Um, that uh, <laughs> that you would say, "Hey, man, I, I'm on, I'm going to buy the dip because I don't give a smoke about the you know where it is in three days or five days or whatever." Yeah. However, yeah what what you're really saying just to put a little finer point on it Go is it. that is that we had below 2% inflation for eh. Fourteen years, and there was reasons why that was happening. I don't bore everyone, but everyone understands part of it was that the fact this little country called China with 1.4 billion people came into the world economy, and all of a sudden you could buy the same shirt that used to cost forty bucks at Walmart for now 19.95, and, and then internet, uh, e-commerce, everything, so sort of took these cost inefficiencies out. So, so they. In order to try to get above, remember, remember, Todd, it was only twenty-four months we were worried about getting above two yeah. percent inflation. I because, know because th- th- that was also, you know, dangerous. Well, then flip around, but so that was the negative. Excuse me, that was a positive wealth effect. That you know, as I, I just I just saw recently, it, like the average portfolio was say one hundred twenty-three thousand in two thousand ten. Then it was worth three hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. Same thing with housing, even more. The average house that that with valuation in valuation United States was like two hundred forty-two thousand if an average house median now is four hundred and eighty thousand dollars so if if you have a stock portfolio, and you own a home or two. All of a sudden, you're like, "Hey, Todd, yeah. let's, let's get a hold of them guys. Let's go on that space rocket and you know go up, and see what it's like <laughs> to be in space. Steak because and champagne every night. <laughs> you feel you feel affluent. Yeah. Well, part of because the, the, it's a feedback loop. It's a positive feedback loop. The more it goes up, the more you spend. The more you spend, the more it goes up. Blah blah blah. So what they're worried about, and the reason why they have to, you know, had to bring the stock market down a peg when. Was selling at twenty-four times earnings, which is only about fifty to sixty percent higher than it ever has. And except for the dot-com craziness, uh, and then h- housing, same thing. They they have to create the negative wealth effect. I know it sounds horrible, but you're you're until you feel like okay, I'm just going to you know tighten my belt, and we're not just going to go you know take a trip around the world, and we're not going to go out and you know buy fourteen new appliances for our house, etc. Then you take the demand down to the point, and oh, by the way, you're going to lose some jobs because some yeah. of these jobs. Were built in, you know, with the idea that they're extrapolating the growth out of the pandemic as if that was normal growth rate, when it's not. So they they had to tamp it down. They have no choice if inflation gets embedded in the minds of the buyer of the of the of the demand side of the equation. And people say, "Well, I'm going to buy you know 14 cauliflowers today because I think the prices are going up." Then you exacerbate the supply demand problem because inflation is just simply more demand than supply for services for products. A good yada yada. Well, when a mortgage was two point one percent, hell yes, I'd go borrow five hundred grand you know, to, to buy yeah. a home. What did I care? My payment was freaking fifteen hundred dollars a month. That yeah. same house today with a six point one percent mortgage, is now thirty five hundred dollars a month. That's cash money, right? So all of that is trying to tamp down demand, and all that has tamped down demand. And the final part of this equation was all right, what are we gonna do about this runaway stock market? And we're gonna beat the crap out of it uh, so that we can, you know we can get that wealth, negative wealth effect. But your point was, is that if he says, hey, let's go to the races, then you yeah. just reverse the negative wealth effect and now you have the positive wealth effect, which creates more demand, which makes inflation stay. Did you get all that?
0: Yeah, I did. And you know what? You said it great, actually. I, in the summary, <laughs> it was fantastic. So no, you're absolutely right. Well, that is something else. And it remains to be seen. I mean, clearly you have the, the Fed um, decision tomorrow. Thursday, we have retail sales numbers coming out. Uh, there's a lot to digest for traders this week. And it's going to be really interesting over the next 72 hours how we finish up because you know as well as i do toby the last two weeks are are just off wall street just this is it this is it for the year coming this week yeah. this friday and that will be it so what happens happens after that but won't be very <laughs> what
1: nice. happens happens is that your best advice I mean, that's did you, what happens happens did you it hard about that
0: i did i had let me i'm gonna put that on a bumper sticker hashtag that's right. <laughs> there you go all right well listen that does it for the markets now we got to talk about the grill in the hill and we're going to talk about we're going to really get into that when we finish come back after this all about the FTX implosion. So please stay with us. You won't believe what Toby had to say about it. we'll be right back. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research.
1: Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you,
0: Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity, is one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts. And Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune into disinformation wherever you get your podcasts, and remember don't believe
1: everything you read.
0: to the BHS live, I'm Todd Schoenberger, and this is my friend Tobin Smith. And today is Tuesday, December 13th, and with all the excitement with the inflation data, it was also a lot of uh, excitement going on in Capitol on, Cap- on Capitol Hill today. Toby, you had the FTX implosion hearings, and what better time than for our our, um, our fearless uh, politicians to come out and get their get their five minutes to go out and do a grill in the Hill type of um, <laughs> uh, question <laughs> question and answer. Um, Period. You should trademark and, that, Todd. Uh, yeah, I, I might do that. Hill. I might do that. Well, they were expecting to have the founder of FTX, um, uh, actually on the Hill today, but you know, he did get, um, I think he has other things going on. Um, after all, he was arrested just yesterday in yeah. the Bahamas, I think at his uh, parents, um, condo that he paid a hundred billion dollars for, but that's a whole other story. But here they had the CEO on the Hill today and the uh, new it was CEO. quite, yeah, the new CEO. And it was quite laughable. I mean, just to hear him, uh, Give his answers where he clearly said uh, he he admitted there's there's fraud uh, there the, the way it was handled the books were handled it was just a Mickey Mouse operation from the get go and and he seemed very professional and I think he went into um, probably a pit of quicksand um and, and didn't know how yeah. to get out of it so uh, to say the least but Toby here we are now about i mean there's so much talk about this kid he's 30 years old he ran this incredible fraudulent program where he actually took investors money who people who thought they were investing in cryptos he was the market maker he was also the account holder he set the prices i mean you can't ask for a just a uh, just a pit of misery If you think about it, I mean, this was poison times 20. If you really, if you really get down to it, And here he took that customer money, put it in his own hedge fund. And according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, including the Department of Justice, they're now saying that he was then taking money out of the hedge fund and buying all kinds of luxury items. And now there are billions of dollars that are unaccounted for. What do you think, Toby? I mean, (laughs) is this just a I mean, a simple, uh, simple case here? I mean, is this kid going to go to jail for the rest of his life? But the well, question is, where's all the damn money?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's there's a couple you know things here. Number one, he's he, he was a trader out of college uh, at Jane Capital, which is an arbitrage uh, hedge fund in New York, and. You know, he got good at, you know, arbitrage, meaning the idea that there's a mispricing in the marketplace between, let's say, you know, the U.S. stock exchange and the uh, you know, Armenian stock exchange, and, you know, the EU, et cetera. And you live on these things called teenies. You know, one one hundredth of a percent is a teeny. And if you're making a half a percent per trade when you're trading five, $10 million, it's not a bad
0: living. You could get rich but, picking up crumbs. That's yeah, yeah
1: right. But when he took arbitrage, this 23-year-old kid, to the bitcoin world particularly he, he just and he, he just realized because he you know he had this big screen and he had all all the exchanges on it and he would say you know stevie wonder could make money doing this because yeah the price of bitcoin the bid in canada was different than it was in japan the ask was different in spain or everything's different so all he did is just an Arbitrage, but instead of making teenies, he's making ten dollars a trade, fifty, a hundred dollars a trade, two hundred dollars a trade. Multiply that by ten thousand trades, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a, a pot of money. So now he's a genius. Now all he's doing is arbitrage, which has basically been done since the beginning of time. uh Number one, number two, he's like twenty three, twenty four, because he gets the whiz kid. And I'm, you know. Isn't that like the woman who started Theranos? You know, saying thing Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but great. Dan, if he's so smart, freaking Bernie Madoff ran a Ponzi scheme for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he just looked up the Bernie Madoff story and and you know, copied this. So what then I'll just say the other thing is obviously so he had you know, these parents are both law professors at Berkeley and they're well thought of, and he sort of got this halo that he was, you know, from these uh, criminal law and constitutional law and other, you know, that he would be smart enough to know that you can't do this crap. Um, but well, I well, really go, well, then I'll go to number three, which is, I don't know if you remember you, when you were 23, but I remember when I was 23 and I had just started on Wall Street, with kid or peabody, and I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Uh, and, and if I had was running $8 billion, Holy mackerel! I, you know, yeah. I would say, listen, no one's gonna, you know, no one's gonna care because I'm invincible. So I'm gonna buy 200 million dollars worth of Bahamian uh, real estate, and, um, you know, blah blah blah. It's a rounding figure for crying out loud. We're you know we had eight billion dollars here, and we're making stupid money. Yada yada. yada. In other words, I'm saying he's incredibly naive. Yeah, a lot. Of, I don't care how smart you are. Now we you know got to be 30 years old, but. No one ever did any due diligence on. He got billions of investment money from the world's best hedge funds and the world's best venture capitalists. Nobody looked into it because they just bought into the entire bullshit um, of what he was doing. And that's always the red flag. If someone can't look you in the eye and tell you how they're making extraordinary returns, yeah. it's yeah. because they're using in ordinary, you know, ways to do it. And I think that's what you, I knew that by 24, so when I saw these billions going in, I thought, well, at least, man, Todd, these guys must be doing serious due diligence on them. They look at all the trades. They, they've they done all this. They didn't do anything. So you know what? They deserve to get freaking $7 billion taken out of their funds because, because they're the ones who should be sued, in my opinion. If I was a, a limited partner with Sequoia Capital, with Andreessen – and you didn't do due diligence and you put, you know, 50 million of a fund or 250 million of a fund. Well, you're the adults in the room, in theory. And this kid's not the adult in the room. I, I think that there's going to be
0: much more fallout, Toto. Well, you're, you're right about that. I mean, well, you first of all, you were a kid or PDP body at 23. I was a Merrill Lynch at 23. And I yeah. think if we had. I know personally, if I had an account that was $8,000, I was excited. I mean, right, starting out as, a, as a, just a rookie broker. So, uh, right. but yeah, you're right, billions of dollars to manage that. It's a whole animal that's there. I think there's a couple of things here. One, you know, with the, with the people at Sequoia, they're, they would have done some due diligence, but the question always remains do they understand the due diligence and, yeah, and the, the findings that are given to them? And I know that from being in the hedge fund space, and and I'm sure you feel the same way. I mean, when you're, you have to be transparent, but there's almost the investor, you have investors out there that prefer that velvet rope approach, almost to be confused by what they are investing in, because then they feel, oh yeah, this is something that is truly exotic and is going to work. It's an alternative investment. Yeah, it yada, was worth
1: it was working yeah. for eight years, you know, yeah. like two hundred percent annual return insurance. Well, that also should be a freaking, you know, violation. A flag should have gone up.
0: Uh, you well, know, there's no doubt about that. But yeah. here's the head scratcher that I don't understand: his family, the parents, are in their their law professors. Yeah. I mean, they're they have to suspect that something's up. The kid is buying hundreds of millions of dollars of property in the Bahamas. I mean, you have to start thinking, man, you know, I don't know. Something's not right here. And then for him, I mean, does he is he that just arrogant to be able to take billions, billions of dollars, Toby? Think about that for a second. It's Brewster's millions with a B. And he's taking that money, he's spending the money, and not think you're going to get caught? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I would think that if I'm the and plus he's out there talking. If I'm his defense attorney, I got to be putting my head in an oven, thinking, "Oh my god, this guy can't shut up."
1: Todd, he's he's Todd. Did you incredible? Yeah. When you went to school, did you? I mean, you were probably the nerd. I'm sorry, I just had to. No, you weren't the nerd. Okay, (laughs) the crazy wild ass nerd who breaks through because he or she doesn't think like everybody else and comes up with this new way of, of making money um my experience of nerds is that they're not incredibly well-rounded they they have one lane that they figured out better than anybody and they're you know they're they're doing that but then when it comes to making decisions about other people's money about decisions about due diligence decisions about leverage in risk which if you look at mm-hmm. the testimony on a net net basis there were op- you know a, a hedge fund uh, our fund, we would run at about 20% leverage. If the world went to crap like it did in April 2020, then we will go to 50% leverage because we're buying, you know, energy stocks with a $20 book value for six bucks. Okay,
0: I'm willing to go. But, that but you're a professional. You you have decades of, of seasoned experience. You know that managing risk is probably more important than managing the return. Absolutely. So, yeah, so you get that. This kid doesn't have that experience. I mean, that yeah, would you possibly why, why give why them you billions. Really
1: Experienced people give freaking $8 billion. No,
0: I know. It's they That's what right I don't on understand. the crack
1: cocaine, too, Todd. They were snipping the freaking glue. <laughs> they saw a way to make easy money from the yeah. dipshits in the Bitcoin world. That, you know, remember, the price of anything is set by the marginal buyer. The marginal buyer is, by definition, the buyer who's not price sensitive. And what happened in that world, since there's, there's no value to Bitcoin, it's all a religion, it's a belief system, and you're showing your belief by buying and holding Bitcoin, um, there's no use case. You can't go in and say, well, at least you know, uh, uh, Ethereum you know, operates blockchains, and, and they, you earn gas fees, so there's, a, you know, there's a, a value proposition there and a way to get paid. Bitcoin, not at all. Bitcoin is just simply the greater fool's theory, and if you were like, "Dude, I'm so about Bitcoin, and you know I'm, I'm, I want my Lambo and then I want my Lambo to have a Lambo, uh, and you you know get into the whole cult, and the thing goes up in value now you have the adrenaline, and you're the smartest mofo on your block, and I'll, I'll never forget two thousand and sixteen Thanksgiving. Um, these kids that come back from college at Thanksgiving and, you know, sitting around the table and, and tell you how they just made 50 grand in Bitcoin. And Uncle Remus is sitting there going, holy smokes. <laughs> and there was like 15 million Bitcoin accounts opened up between Thanksgiving 2000 and Christmas. Yeah. So when all that money shoveled into a finite amount of, of pay, and, and the, the whales and the people who lost their wallets like me uh, there's no, no, you know, there's no sellers. Uh, then you got to bid it up to get sellers. And yeah. when you bid it up, and there's no value, then it's purely an emotional psychological construct. And that's what it, that's what it was. But, dude, if I can show you my Lambo and that condominium I have in freaking Miami, uh, and the girls who are all over me, there's a lot of guys who are saying, you know what? I want to get some yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, regardless of what the economics are, regardless of anything. So it became a mania and in yeah. a mania, just like the dot com world, the dot com stocks, probably most people on this uh, podcast weren't buying stocks that Barbara Streisand was recommending on the Johnny Carson show in 1999. <laughs> that was pretty much mm, that was the peak right there. Yeah, um, you're right. So this is a mania, Todd, and mania is great bubbles. And bubbles because there, there's no sellers and there's and everybody's a marginal buyer because they're not price sensitive. Because how do you price Bitcoin? It's You can only buy the chart as long as the the chart is going up from you know the bottom up. I call that a Viagra chart. Uh, then you can um, you're going to keep buying it. And as soon as you run
0: out of buyers, the thing comes down. It's called financial gravity.
1: Yeah, yeah, never. No,
0: but- no, no, nobody, nobody on Wall Street's given us the two hundred day moving average for for Bitcoin. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I would like to know, and I'll leave it with this. I would love to know. We will find this out over time, but I would love to know what the spark was. Like, if he did move that money out of these crypto accounts into Alameda. There has to be a paper trail to that. So are you providing fraudulent statements like Bernie Madoff right. did? I mean, that <laughs> that's jail time. That's, that's yeah. obviously well, what I, as fraudulent what as you can get. But to, to what, was what, what was the spark? Yeah. I would like to know. Who, uh, I who I actually saw it and it said, what is this?
1: Todd, I Tell guarantee me. you that as the heat started turning up, and remember, did you see a CFO calling yeah. your face, 27 years old? I, <laughs> I mean, know. never... Did anything like this? You know, she was yeah. like a grocery squirrel at Savon.
0: She was at H&R Block last year. Yeah, yeah.
1: H&R Block, right. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this shit up. That's all I'm saying. You can't make it up. But I guarantee to you that when, you know, somebody actually got in there uh, and shook down some of those employees, that they were all raising their hand. Can I tell on them? Can I give it up? Can I give yeah. it up for jail yeah. time? It, it it has to be an insiders that were compromised and said we'll give you immunity and you don't have to spend you know forty years in jail since you're only about twenty four years old. Yeah, that has to be it. So when we get it all out, you're going to see this testimony from the insiders. And well, how about the parents?
0: They're, they're oh, like
1: two hundred million dollars. Complicit
0: have to be complicit in all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely has. I, I don't. You know. I don't think so, Todd.
1: You know. You have two really? boys. You have two boys. Uh, would you just automatically assume that they were thieves and bad people? You would sort of give them a little benefit
0: of the doubt because you wouldn't really want to know if they were doing that.
1: And true, uh,
0: true. Or but what if it's a family affair? What if they're all in on it? What if all I three of them were? Me. I, I don't mean, who knows? No. There's a lot of questions that we don't have the answers for. We will hear this later on you can give them the benefit of the doubt. And maybe they're thinking that their son is a genius and that's why they're driving around in convertible Ferraris. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but we, we will find out there's, I, I mean, look, this is the number one story. This was, this actually was bigger than the inflation story today. And um, and obviously we'll be talking more about inflation with the Fed, yeah. um, decision tomorrow, but the FTX, uh um the story is going to continue obviously throughout the rest of this year well well into 2023. Todd Todd, just
1: let me say this every financial era has a giant dead squid that comes up from the bottom of the ocean Uh, you know Bernie Madoff you know that was the beginning of the end of of the great financial crisis um you know but, but before uh, that, Ivan Michael Milken. Yeah, yeah, they were all, Pets. yeah. Com and Pets.com and uh, uh, God, what was it? Uh, uh, well, Pets.com. They raised $700 million and they, they never shipped anything, right? Yeah. it's a, These are epical endings to eras. Uh, and this is the end of the era for crypto as it stands with no value behind it. I mean, I've said before, I'm an investor in a company that we have engineers down in Mendoza, Argentina. And the way we pay them is with a stable coin, a $1 stable coin, that then they go to the the cash guy and they convert that to American dollars. And now they're living like kings, right? It's all legit. You know, it's all on record. They get 1099, so on and so forth. That's right. But there are some use cases for crypto, particularly the stable coin, because it really is cheaper than us paying freaking five and a half percent you know, to uh, Western Union or, you know, bank fees. It's a lot cheaper. So that's a use case. Th- that's not going away. But the idea that there's, you know, two, t- 22.2 million Bitcoins, that's all it's ever going to be there for. It's worth something.
0: Well, that that whole theory got blown up. Good point. Good point. Well, if, I, I know you're going to hate me when I say this, but it remains <laughs> to be seen, be remains to be seen. So we will see oh, what wait happens. Up. Can wait a minute. declarative.
1: Now, listen, by the way. But just, yeah, don't put my name on any of this stuff because I don't want the Bitcoin guys coming. Next
0: to me. <laughs> oh, it's too late. Okay, uh, too late, too late. But that's funny. I know Tom Brady actually uh, hired a great attorney today because of all the lawsuits that are actually pending against him because of his um, involvement as far as um, marketing oh, I... and mentioning it. I mean, it, 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 the and it's not just him; it's going to be several, several celebrities oh, yeah. that Absolutely. are there. So everybody's I mean, going to be all, hit.
1: So. All the all the celebrities who got paid. million dollars yeah the broker who broke you know the ftx uh, name rights down in miami who got paid in freaking you know bitcoin
0: yeah
1: it it it, it'll make a great movie, man. I'm sure there's 23
0: screenwriters right now that are all coming through. No, no doubt about it, no doubt. Well, I'm sure we'll see something on 60 Minutes in the coming weeks, which would be great. So we'll, we'll follow up. But ladies and gentlemen, we will stick with this story. We will be following up with it in future episodes, no doubt about it. And we will keep you obviously updated. Um, As we progress throughout the week with that, uh, with the Fed uh, decision and obviously with retail sales on Thursday. So, but that does it for us. So on behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. Please check out Toby's uh, articles and, and all of his uh, analysis and sens- sensational analysis at TransformityResearch.com transformityresearch.com go check it out and uh sign up sign up for the free (laughs) newsletter and everything else that he has yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. it's definitely definitely very valuable so uh and maybe he reiterates a lot of the stuff that he speaks of in this podcast so again thank you again for joining us we will see you at the next episode stay safe and take care thank you
1: Virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the
0: American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every
1: episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials,
0: leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel.